19 and verse 25, we find now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her into his own home. And may God bless the reading of his word this evening is my prayer. Our text points our attention to those who were present at the cross. John the Apostle was there. The mother of Jesus, Mary, she was there. His Aunt Mary, she was also there. And his follower, Mary Magdalene, she, she was there. And of all these witnesses who were there when Jesus died, it was John who wrote in verse 35 of this same chapter, and he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he's telling the truth, so that you may believe. John just wanted to remind us, I was there. I saw it. What I'm telling you is the truth. And I've told you this so that you might believe. Um, you see, the cross of Jesus Christ was witnessed. Some things uh, stand out in the minds of people. They're witnessed. In fact, our laws actually require you from time to time, if you witness something, you can actually be charged with the crime if you refuse to, to tell what you've seen. And the cross of Jesus Christ compels that kind of witness, that kind of testimony. They saw it, and they had to tell what they saw. Now, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is presented in Scripture as a historical event, and certainly it was. It is also presented in a way, as we'll discuss in a, for a few moments, as an ongoing event. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified with Christ. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me, and I unto the world. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Now the Galatians were far from Jerusalem. At least 20, probably better than 25 years had passed since that historical event in Jerusalem when Jesus died on the cross. And yet Paul could say to the church at Galatia, the churches at Galatia, that Jesus had been evidently set forth among them, even crucified 
among you. I don't mean to suggest tonight in any way, not at all, that the death of Jesus Christ is still going on. The Bible tells us very plainly, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. He was once offered for sins. That's the historical event. And yet the power of the cross of Jesus Christ and the preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ is so personal, so intense in all of our lives that Paul could say, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Could say to the churches, Christ has been set forth, evidently crucified among you. Perhaps the old spiritual caught the essence of this feeling best. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Yes, you were. The message of the cross, so powerful. That under the blessing of the Holy Spirit, we could hear it read. I could almost feel the darkness. I could almost feel the earth tremble. I could almost hear the cry. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, why? See, it comes alive in our hearts to the very depths of our soul. Such is the power of the cross. No wonder Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. We witness then the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Though we did not see it with these eyes, we saw it with the eyes of our soul. We feel it in the depths of our hearts. We have experienced the truth that Jesus Christ died for me and he died for you. And the truth of the cross so powerfully manifested in all of our lives tonight demands every bit as much today that it be witnessed in our world, witnessed in our life, witnessed in our community. Let's talk for a few moments then, just a few, about the witness of the cross as demonstrated in John chapter 19. And 
uh, first people that John refers to in this chapter, the religious leaders. Uh, when the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Now John points out that Jesus himself would actually dismiss Pilate's role in all of this. Uh, as we have heard already tonight in Matthew's account, there was that time when uh, Pilate uh, would have Jesus before him and he would not answer him. But then uh, ultimately uh, John tells us, he said this, uh, Are you not speaking to me? Pilate said, Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? And Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Who was that? Well, most likely candidate for the one Jesus was talking to who delivered him to Pilate was Caiaphas, the high priest. He was the one that John refers to twice in his gospel account who said those famous words that it is right, it is fitting that one man should die for the people. That was his official verdict. John said that Caiaphas actually was clueless about the significance of what he said, but that the Holy Spirit was the one who gave him those words because he was the high priest, because he was the one in authority. He was the one then who could make that verdict, one man should die for the people. According to Jesus, what Pilate did or didn't do, what he said or didn't say, wasn't all that significant. It was the one who delivered him, Caiaphas. Now that, that was significant. When the soldiers took Jesus and crucified him, along with the two criminals then that day, they all had a role to play. But overwhelmingly, it is the collective guilt of humanity that is put on display so prominently by the cross. Jesus died for the people. What people? Well, the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us that. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 2 and verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. The witness of the cross, then, is the witness of our collective guilt. Yes, indeed. It was your sins and mine. It was his love for us that kept him on the cross. He died because of sin and for sin. Romans 8 and 3 puts it this way, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh... God, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Yes. So he refers to religious leaders and the witness of the cross to them and the cross then witnesses of our sin and our collective guilt. 
then he refers to the soldiers. Then, verse 16, delivered he them, therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went forth into the place uh, called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. John tells of hardened soldiers performing a task that they seemed to relish. At the very best, they were very good at what they did. They mocked and tortured Jesus. They put a robe on him and a crown of thorns on his head. They hit him with their fists. They scourged him with the horrible whip that they used for that task. Now they crucified. They cast lots, the Bible says, for the only thing that he had of any value at all, which was a seamless robe. Though bloodstained, it perhaps would be sold for something. And rather than tearing it up and thereby destroying what little value it might have had, they cast lots for it. When it was done... The Bible says in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 35, they sat down and watched him. Who was this man? The soldiers might ask. Was he the king of the Jews? Was he somebody? Was he nobody? Who cares? He's crucified and he's about to die. Sitting down, They watched him. It's nine o'clock in the morning. But then came three o'clock in the afternoon. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the Son of God. That is the witness of the cross. No wonder then, Paul said, we preach Christ crucified. Why? Because it is the most powerful message on earth. We saw a great demonstration of that on the very day that it happened. Then he refers to the disciples, and we saw them in our text, and and, and, and there was uh, John and, and, and Mary, Jesus' mother, his Aunt Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene, and all of them there. Verse 32 tells us, The soldiers came and break the legs of the first one who was crucified and the other one. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true. And he knows that he's telling the truth so that you may believe the testimony of John and the others. We can only imagine tonight the sense of incredible pain and loss that those witnesses felt as they watched Jesus die. We could spring forward a couple of days and listen to three days and listen to a conversation. It took place sometime on Sunday afternoon. 
It's recorded for us in Luke chapter 24 and verse 19. It was there on the Emmaus Road where some of the disciples were walking and they were discussing the events, the things that had happened. They were joined by another traveler they did not recognize. And as he asked them why that they were talking the way they were talking and why they were so sad and why their countenance was so fallen, they began to rehearse unto them the things that had happened. And, and he, this traveler that had joined him, and of course we know the story, and we know it's Jesus, uh, said to them, what things? And so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. But listen, listen, listen to what they said. But we were hoping... We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. And indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. And they would go on to say, you know, we've heard something. People went to the tomb. The tomb was empty. And some say they've seen him. And some say, we don't know. You know, we don't know. what. But we, there was one thing that came through crystal clear. We were hoping. We had hope, we know that feeling all too well. So often life gets in the way of our hopes and dreams and aspirations. We had hope, we had a dream, but now that's gone. Plans, goals. Replacing them then with heartbreak and disappointment and failure. Their dream of deliverance died. On that hill outside Jerusalem and it was buried with Jesus. <laughs> the strange thing is their dream was talking to them. And they didn't know it. I don't know if it was their pain and their discouragement, their sense of loss that kept them from seeing who Jesus was. I don't know. Jesus had a way of hiding himself so that people didn't see him from time to time. That happened on several different occasions in Scripture. And this was probably one of those times. But it's just intriguing to me that there, was there, there they were saying, we had hope. We had hope. We had a dream. But that hope is gone and that dream has died. But he wasn't gone. And it hadn't died. He was right there with them. Jesus rebuked them and, and preached the gospel, the good news to them. Rebuked them for their lack of faith. He said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus had told them again and again that he was going to die. He had told them that he would rise again. The prophets had spoken of the suffering of the Messiah. They had every reason to know that when he died on the cross, that his death was not final. 
They had every reason to know. Oh, foolish and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. It's a good time for us to remember tonight that uh, when we get down and discouraged and we begin to feel that our dreams have died and our hope is gone, we need to look at the cross of Jesus Christ and know that our faith is founded in the one who gives us hope. A living, breathing, walking, talking, promising hope stares the grave in the face and is victorious. They should have known better than to allow their hope to be crushed by their experiences. So should we. And I understand the pain that comes when we said, well, we had hoped. We had hoped to grow old together. I'd hoped to see my child grow up. I had hoped to see my grandkids. I had hoped that we'd get to travel. I'd hoped. Oh, life, life so often dashes our dreams. But remember, the witness of the cross calls us to the incredible love of God and the hope that cannot be destroyed. In light of that then, the witness of the cross calls us to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He died for us so that those who live, that's you and me, should live no longer for themselves, but for him. Brothers and sisters, when Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, he meant it. He meant it. I live. For the one who took the cross for me. And may that be all of our prayer today and every day. To live for the one who took my cross.